Good morning, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Ladies Who League. I'm Brittany Carter, looking after the show in Mary's absence while she lives it up on a well-deserved holiday over in the US for the next few weeks. I'm delighted to be joined by three fantastic guests this morning. Emma Lawrence from Fox Sports. Hello and welcome back. How are you this morning? Good morning. Um, Very well, thank you. An exciting game last night, so plenty to talk about. Looking forward to talking about it later on. Simon Anderson from Cricket New South Wales joins us too. Hi, Simon. Thanks for coming in. Great to be here. Great to have made it. I was uh, determined to actually make it after listening to the podcast a few times and hearing people get lost. So great to have uh, made it to the studio. (laughs) And we figured out why that might be with me giving the wrong directions this morning, didn't we? It's Waterloo, not Woolloomooloo. (laughs) Made it. And New South Wales Touch player Sarah Peaty, who celebrated a win in the state of origin last week, is also here. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. And we're very lucky to have you here. So shortly we're going to get stuck into finals chats for both the footy codes, but first let's talk issue of the week. Now, you would have had your head stuck under a rock to miss all the hype surrounding the National Women's League, the Women's Aussie Rules Comp due to begin its inaugural season early next year. The debate regarding how much contracted players will be paid and the lack of health insurance on offer was talked about on this program last week and has been widely discussed in the media And it was brought up again after the women's exhibition match between Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs was so successful rating-wise last Saturday. Over 6,000 spectators turned up to Witten Oval and broadcast-wise it topped the best Saturday night average of the 2016 season with an average of 387,000 viewers just in Melbourne and reached a combined audience peak of 1.05 million people. Did you watch the game, Simon? Were you impressed? Uh, I didn't actually get a chance to to check it out, but I have watched a few of them in the past, and I was really um really quite excited to see the launch of the league, especially given the GWS Giants, the the team that I've supported since day one, uh, were one of the uh, the teams that have put forward a women's team. Especially after seeing fr- from my end with cricket the uh, success of the WBBL in its first season, it was only a matter of time before it happened, and I'm glad that the AFL's done it. I did catch the highlights, and I just thought it was. Incredible. I know there was no men's footy on that weekend, but I just thought it was incredible the ratings that they did get. And I know there is a long way to go with pay and insurance, but I think we sort of have to think how awesome is it they got those ratings and then they've got the comp. And I just think it will take time. I know it took a lot of time with women's cricket and look how far they've come along, especially with pay. So, I mean, there is a long way to go, but I think there's it's it's only a positive future ahead. Again, this was sort of discussed last week, but I think the biggest problem with the contracts at the moment is the health insurance because obviously, you know, even if you play Oztag for your local club and, and you're a nobody, you still get insurance if you hurt yourself there. So I think that's the biggest issue. And if you speak to any of the players about the pay, I think many of them are going to be happy just to have mm. that competition there to start with. Sarah, did you catch any of the match? Uh, I'm the same as Emma. I caught the highlights, but probably shouldn't be surprised anymore but I was surprised at the athleticism and the skill level it was just amazing to see the girls out there doing exactly what the 
boys can do. So I think the highlights reel was was definitely very um, enticing for next year. So an article came out in The Guardian during the week by Gabriella Jackson that argues women's sports can't have a fan base without fanfare. Emma, when you think about the big boom we've seen in women's cricket, soccer, rugby league, netball, continuing to reach new record ratings, how much of a role does TV play in this? I think a huge role. I know... um in that article, I mean, we may get onto it, but um, they were saying that, you know, there was a, a room of 100 journalists and not one of them could name the Australian captain. That was Australian netball captain, which was Laura Geitch, which I find quite strange because I feel like the ANZ Championship has what, I mean, I know where they've scrapped that now, but was a great platform to get women's netball out there in the public. And I feel like it really start. we really started to make inroads and, the players became more popular in the public. But I do agree, without a deal like that, I mean, if I look back five years, I don't think many of, you know, my friends or colleagues were ever really speaking about netball, but I think that made a massive difference. So, and and the media attention as well, because previously, I know working at Fox, we hadn't, we had the rights, but we didn't cover netball a lot. But the more we began to cover it, the more I found, and perhaps it was just because I was working there, but the more everyone in the office began to talk about it. And I think with individuals as well, someone like Shani Layton, her personality both on and off the court, that helps as well and getting her out into the media. So I think TV and the media plays a huge role. I was really surprised to hear that she didn't know who Laura Geitz was Mm. either. Simon, had that been you on that quiz program, would you have known the answer? I would have had a shocker. I would have been able to name quite a few of the the team, but uh, the captain, I would have been stumped on, to be perfectly honest. Really? I'm surprised to hear that. I spend most of my time watching a lot of cricket, so I could probably name the entire (laughs) 11 of the Southern Stars and most of the WBBL teams. But yeah, netball, I, I would have been absolutely stumped on that. Um, but I, I think further to that thing about, you know, ratings and, you know, Emma mentioned that she was surprised to see how many people were watching the game last, last weekend. I think, uh, we shouldn't be surprised anymore because when these girls get the opportunity to play on a national audience, there's definitely, there's definitely a, a demand for that sort of thing. We saw with the WBBL last year was outrating sports like the men's A League because there wasn't up until the girls got a chance to play on national TV. People didn't know how much of a demand there was out there for these sort of sports. And they increased how many were going to be shown on TV as a result, didn't they? Yeah, not only that, but taking it from, you know, secondary networks to we're going to have a WBBL carnival, which is played at North Sydney Oval on Channel 10 in prime time, which is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, so I was a bit surprised to hear that about the netball side of it. But Sarah, Touch doesn't receive anywhere near as much publicity as some of the other codes. I can see you shaking your head. (laughs) Do you think your sport and career as a player would benefit from televised broadcast matches? Oh, absolutely. I think any sport um, would benefit from that sort of publicity. But I don't know, personally, I'm obviously very biased, but just the skill level and the sort of non-contact version of league, which is obviously very popular. I think it's um, a great, exciting game to watch. We have a partnership with the NRL, um, Touch Football Australia and the NRL, which is super exciting and hopefully that's something that we can use to sort of develop the sport and get it out there a bit more. Great. Well, up next, Finals Fever begins where we're going to talk about the NRL. We kicked off the NRL finals last night, but firstly, let's address everything that's been named about Manly during the week. Lots of match-fixing allegations. We've got two Manly supporters on our panel this morning. Sarah, you're a Manly supporter. How did it make you feel? 
Oh, it's obviously disappointing. I don't think there's been anything sort of set in stone yet, but it's a lot of negative talk. It started earlier in the season, so it's obviously going to affect sort of the players and the fans and how their season's going. So not the best thing to be associated with the team that you support, but um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, Simon, you've seen the footage of the matches that are in question. What are your thoughts? Oh, there's there, there's some things there that look, you know, we've seen players that have been outstanding for many years just making some poor decisions and doing things that they wouldn't normally do. So, you know, I'm certainly not a, a police investigator, but there's some things that don't look uh, don't look great. The thing that annoys me is that you know it's a couple. It seems to be a couple of small people affecting a larger thing. I think one of the games that is in question by the police, uh, Matt Ballon actually went back on the field injured, properly wrecked his knee, and I think played his last game for Manly. To to think that you know someone's putting their body on the line to go out and try and win a match that other people could have been potentially trying to lose is is pretty disappointing. People like Jeff Tuvey, you know, he lost a job over that season where one or two extra wins would have got Manly into the finals. It's just, as a fan, you'd like to think that, you know, all 17 players are out there giving everything to try and win for their fans and for the club and to think that a couple of people that you support week in, week out are doing the exact opposite. It's pretty disappointing. It ruins it for everyone, doesn't it? And you wonder how long it's been going on. Are there other clubs involved? Emma, you saw it pop up on Twitter. Someone was named. What did you have to say about it? Well, I mean, if you're a Manly fan, as Simon said, it's it's disappointing and it's disappointing to think that if it is going on, obviously they're allegations, but it's disappointing to think, you know, it's for the fairness of the sport. We, we don't want that anywhere, but I just think it's a lesson with the whole, you know, Steve Maddai being named that whole saga yesterday. It just think, especially working in the media, it's just such a big lesson to think I mean, because there there were whispers going around our office that this person had heard Steve Maddai was also involved. But, I mean, for someone to come out and everyone has sources. I know Seven came out and named Steve Maddai and must have been quite confident with their sources. But, I mean, if for Manly to come out and usually a club will come out and say, at the moment these are allegations, we, we have um, – we are in, we were looking into it or we do not confirm this or something quite vague, but they were so strong and said basically that Maddai was absolutely filthy that his name had been thrown in there, which just makes you think they wouldn't come out with such a strong statement if there was any chance he was involved. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's a lesson for everyone working in the media and just makes you think, I guess they're going to have to, Seven may have to cough up a lot of money in in defamation cases. It's unfortunate because it's tarnished what has been, you know, everyone's talking about the NRL finals at the moment and we're all so excited for it. It's a shame that it's come up at this time. So let's talk about last night's game between the Broncos and the Titans. Simon, what were your thoughts on the match? I'll tell you what, the uh, the refs would be happy for more and more match-fixing stories to come out because <laughs> it'll take the heat off them for a bit. That was it. An absolute shocker last night. I think we, we've been talking for months and months and months, and everyone said it. They said, I'd hate for a team season to be ended by poor refereeing. Last night we saw exactly that. The Titans did everything they could and just had so many things. You know, you talk about rubber the green and it's just rugby league, things that go 50-50. Oh, mate, it was it was 100-0 in, in the, uh, the rubber the green to the Broncos last night, and I think the Titans will be... Uh, it won't be a mad Monday. It'll be a, a sad Saturday for them. It'll be absolutely a, uh, a really disappointing result for them last night. 
The penalty count was 7-2 at one stage in the Broncos' favour. I mean, I think we all agreed that we weren't very happy about the refereeing. The penalty count was quite um, quite skewed, but the, the penalty try... Mm. Unbelievable. So are you thinking no, not a, pen- not I, a penalty I've, try? I think that rule that you're not allowed to kick out at the ball was was brought in for, for players that were being put into a dangerous position. We remember Billy Billy Slater. Obviously, as a Manly fan, I remember this very well from the uh, the final <laughs> series where he was he was looking like an A-League defender. He was coming in studs up, going at the, the head of people putting the ball, ground, ball down. I, I don't think that rule was put in for that sort of thing. I think it was about player safety. Conrad Harrell last night... That should have been one of the defensive plays of the season where he mm. swung around. He was not putting anyone in danger. He kicked a ball out. As and I it was know, about... he was definitely going to get it down. Well, that, that's, that's as well. Thing, yeah. Well, let's think about it. How often are they given away in the regular season? <laughs> very. Yeah, I can't very, yeah, I... no, For a while. It's just, yeah. And even the uh, James Roberts kick, that's the one that stands out for me. I just think... When James Graham didn't get charged the week before because he didn't connect and they were saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter and you can't just be charged on intent, he didn't connect. Well, there was intent and he did connect with him. I mean, it wasn't as much of a vicious kind of right in the face, but he still got him. I don't understand how that sort of managed to go under the radar. So did uh, Corey Parker. I think head-butted Ryan James in the scrum as well. That that, was a slow-motion replay of a... uh, an excellent headbutt from uh, from Corey Parker, but you know it, it's it's weird that the uh, the bunker will step in and stop some things, but not others. We haven't seen it a lot during the season after it got a bit of heat in the media. But last night, really early on, the bunker was stepping in and sort of you know being that uh, I guess almost the faceless man of rugby league, the so, big brother, exactly pulling mm. things up. But it was really you know picking and choosing, and especially with that James Roberts kick that led to a try. They yeah. could have gone back and checked it, but the uh, the referee didn't want to bar of any of the Titans players that were trying to uh, trying to pull them up on it. He's still be picked up by the match review committee, possibly. Yeah, that, I'm sure the Titans will be stoked about that. Yeah. <laughs> so the match started off really promising, and we saw some glimpses of magic from Jared Hayne, but then we also saw him make an array of mistakes. He's been in the media a lot, Emma. What do you think about Jared Hayne? Oh, well, he he didn't have the perfect return to the NRL. He, I mean, got a bit of criticism. I think what the main criticism has been is that he changed the Titans' game plan and that they were going along well and they just used to, you know, grind out teams, but he sort of changed the, their style of attack. So I think that's been the main criticism. And I'm, I'm not... I'm not in their team, so I don't. But Greg Bird came out and did admit it on, I think it was Triple M, came out and said, yeah, it's, it has, n- not that it's been a negative, but it has changed their their style. So I think, I mean, that's not a disruption you want coming into the finals. But then the other argument was he's he's a big game player and when the pressure is on, he can stand up. And we saw that right before uh, halftime, that kick was incredible so I I'm mean I'm just laughing sorry because I remember coming straight back on after halftime and then yeah and, <laughs> he then, he's, it on. <laughs> and then he does knock it on so yeah. I mean we can't expect him we can't have expected him to come back after 18 months out and be an absolute superstar I think he showed I think it's obvious that he's got that natural talent and that natural instinct and when he sees something he can put a kick in or whatever and that field goal against the Tigers at Campbelltown was another example but yeah, I mean, it's always about whether someone fits into that style style of play. And 
seems that it may have uh, disrupted the Titans a bit. Simon, I thought Anthony Milford was outstanding for the Broncos up the left-hand side. What did you think of the Broncos' form? Yeah, they they had been, I guess, almost just tripped and fell into the finals. They had had a shocker. I think a lot of that was behind Anthony Milford sort of having a few quiet almost months. It was probably about eight weeks there where he came out of the blocks firing for the first half of the season and then did die off a little bit. I think a lot of that was around Andrew McCulloch, the fact that his hooker was off, you know, injured for quite a big chunk of the year. To have him back and probably doing a lot of the tackling for him meant that uh, that Milford, you know, could save himself for the uh, the brilliant things that we know he's capable of. So whether they can go much further than they are now is going to rely a lot on those two young halves. But I'll tell you what, Ben Hunt will definitely want to uh, make amends for that, that knock-on uh, in the grand final last year. And if anyone's going to, you know, pull a few things out of the bag to try and get back to that grand final, it'll be him and the MILF. It was one thing, isn't it, that with finals, I mean, you, you can play great all season, but it's there's so much pressure on on you in such a big game. And because they're still young and haven't played a lot of those big games, that's the difference where someone like a Kronk can probably handle the pressure a bit better. So, um, yeah, I guess... That's one we'll be telling whether or not they can handle that pressure, especially for Hunt, whether that sort of grand final would, moment will be in the back of his mind or not. But not that I'm a Broncos fan, but I, ho- I hope for his sake at least he can, you know, however far they go, that Ben Hunt at least has a has a good game in the next week or so. So the final score last night was 44-28, not really a reflection of the first half at least, and that's ended the Titans' year. So qualifying finals today, Canberra and Cronulla down in Canberra and the Storm and Cowboys tonight in Melbourne. Sarah, which one are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'd say probably the Cronulla-Canberra game. I think Canberra have had a cracking season. They've um, been awesome to watch. I'd love to (laughs) see Cronulla get their premiership, but I just think their footy's not where it should be at the right end of the season Um, and Canberra have just been amazing they're such an exciting team to watch and yeah I'm looking forward to that game and especially to see if Cronulla can pull their big game out where it matters so well, they've definitely been exciting to watch I agree with you there BJ Lelua that passed last week around the front of himself amazing. I think we're all a bit thrown that back was by better that. than Benji's from 05 nearly <laughs> <laughs> almost although cool. I say that's way a, to slip the Tigers in there Emma <laughs> I said almost. Actually, I still think that's better because I'm a Tigers fan. But uh, we can compare it to that. So the big discussion about these two teams is that the Sharks peaked too early at the back end of the season and Canberra are peaking right into finals form. Simon, which way do you think it's going to go? I'd love to see the Green Machine get up. I know there's a lot of you know people talking about the Sharkies getting their premiership stuff. And, you know, that, <laughs> they'll continue dusting the trophy cabinet for a few years. Canberra, the thing I love about Canberra is they have been perennial battlers They've lost so many. Could you imagine the Canberra team mm. if they didn't they... kick everyone that did the wrong thing out of Canberra? It would be incredible. But the thing is, they've managed to secure, you know, the likes of Aiden Caesar, Blake Austin, um, just good players that have been sort of pushed out of their own clubs. Come and have come and find a home in Canberra, and it's all just starting to click at the right time. I would love to see them get up and go pretty deep into the finals. They still probably are better off having got rid of those, you know, the likes of the the cruiser boys because the cruiser boys and the bubbler. (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, at least now they've got a group who I think the sort of the morale and the culture of the club Mm. is they're probably better off. There's sort of no no scandal, no off field incidents. They've got a stable board. 
And they're all gelling, so they're probably My theory is that it's too cold in Canberra for them to go out and make any <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> I was down in Canberra yesterday and can confirm it's oh, very cold when I you go out. <laughs> probably. I even uh, I spoke to Blake Austin actually earlier during the week and I, I asked, I said, do you think that being down in Canberra where you're out of the spotlight, not that he was ever involved in, you know, any kind of – great scandal, but just being out of the spotlight, not being hassled all the time by the Sydney media. I said, does it allow you to focus on your foot? And he said, yeah. I mean, obviously the town loved their footy and you can't go out for a coffee or whatever with people coming up to you, but you you can focus on your footy more because there's not as much distraction from the media. And if you have an off game, I know that's where we're always looking for a story. So, you know, if we're going to a Roosters presser and they had a terrible game, well, we're, we're hammering them. We're trying to find something. So they get to escape that a little bit. And he, he, he said that it does help. So does that argument work for the Cowboys with Jason Tamalolo being caught mm. with eggs in his car this week? Silly, silly, silly. I don't think there's anything <laughs> else to say, honestly. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a sleepover gone wrong up in Townsville <laughs> with the 13-year-old Cowboys going out. And- I couldn't believe it. I just yeah. thought, surely I'm reading the wrong thing. I kept shaking my Again, head too. Just, honestly. Yeah, to- toilet papering houses. <laughs> and, you know. not, the, not what they need. But, I mean, I don't think that's really going to be a great distraction for them, really. They're... They've got lots of experienced heads in there and I don't think it's a big enough of a scandal to sort of mentally rock them, but I don't, I don't think so. Do if, if it was a Sydney team, if the, you know, if the Roosters had gone out and egged houses in Bondi. Well, as I said, they're, they're out of the, well, they yeah. are out of the spotlight a mm. little bit more than, um, than the Sydney teams, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's hope the footy does the talking. Yeah. Exactly. Not the refs. <laughs> <laughs> so Cowboys down in Melbourne tonight, Sarah, who are you tipping? Oh, it's tough. You've got two teams with some really experienced players. They've all played in those big games before. I, Being a Manly supporter, I'm not a massive Storm fan <laughs> at all. I'm not either, um, don't worry. So I'd probably go Cowboys, not that I'm a massive fan of them either. But, oh, um, really? Yeah, no, that's a particular game at Brookvale, which I am still bitter about. <laughs> um, but no, nah, I'd, I'd say I'm going to go Cowboys, but I think it could go. Either way, maybe. And what about Sunday's game, Simon? Panthers up against the Bulldogs in the last elimination final. Yeah, I've really been liking the Panthers the, the last couple of weeks. I, I didn't, you know, don't like them beating Manly uh, leading into the finals. But the the fact that they they just got a really good, it's almost like a raw young team. Nathan Cleary has mm. been absolutely mm. phenomenal. And, and the thing, the best thing about the Panthers is they're not even fielding their best team. They've got uh, I can't even pronounce his name, Timari Martin, mm. to come back. Yeah. Think of. You know, the years going forward, they could have like a 10-year halves pairing there yeah. with, with Cleary and Martin. And if he didn't get injured, they probably started interrupt, but he probably would have been there. I think now that they Cleary and Cartwright got a bit of a combo going, he didn't want to disrupt that. So imagine Cartwright back in the in the back row and then those two in the halves. That will be a bright scary, future. Ahead. scary yeah. proposition yeah. for other teams going forward. Moylan at the back. And, and Peter Wallace has been an absolute revelation mm, at hooker. Yeah. He is well and truly turning back the clock. So... You know, they'll give it a shake. The Bulldogs, obviously, they're a pretty gritty team. Mm. They won't want to, you know, go down without a fight, but um, it'll be a cracking game. And Moylan and Cartwright both in the papers yesterday saying they want to be one club players. So that's good news for Penrith. Emma, we're going to wrap this segment up, but I just quickly wanted to ask you, everyone saw you with Robbie Farrell last weekend. You're a Tigers fan. You've got your brother at that club. Tell us about the photo in that moment. Um, well, I was just saying before that I, I don't think really I got to take it in at the time. I was sort of 
to be honest, just thinking, oh, I need, you know, work again to see this vision coming through and we'll think, well, you need an interview. So I was feeling a bit under pressure, like I had to get this interview for work. So I'm very grateful that um, Robbie was happy to to speak to me. It was an incredible moment to sit up there. It was just the perfect afternoon. Everything sort of fell into place with the sun shining on the scoreboard. Everyone had gone. There were just some kids playing on the field. It was quite picturesque, but I know a lot of people have come out and said, you know, was that a bit, I don't know, selfish or was Robbie a, being a bit of a show pony? But I just think, and he came out and said himself, he is a very emotional person and that's just the sort of way he wanted to deal with it, to sit up there and reflect. Other players possibly wouldn't have done that, other personalities, but he wears his heart on his sleeve and we've seen that throughout the course of the last 18 months where some players might have just sort of said, oh, okay, okay, I'll go, but he loves the club so much. And I think that's just his his personality, that he loves the club so much and deals with things in different ways. It was an awesome moment to be up there and just I think for him as well, it probably was a bit of closure for him to be able to sit up there, his favorite place in the world at Lycar with his friends and his family so I mean not the way that he wanted to go out but yeah I think it was an awesome moment and I have a soft spot for Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) Well that's the NRL done stay with us as we turn our attention to the AFL finals. Tickets are now on sale for the Rugby League Experience annual Legends of League Grand Final Cruise. Spend the afternoon cruising Sydney Harbour with great food and drink whilst being entertained by rugby league legends Tommy Radonigas, Michael Crocker and Mark Spud Carroll. In Sydney for the grand final? Why not join in the fun? For more information or to book, call us on 1300 885 718 or email therugbyleagueexperience.com.au. Now, we're also in AFL finals at the moment. Thursday night elimination final, West Coast up against the Western Bulldogs. Huge loss for the West Coast. They lost by 47 points all up and everyone was silenced there at Subiaco. Simon, you caught this match. Were you surprised by that result? Yeah, I I was down in Canberra with uh, Nick Cummins, the the general manager of the Thunder and a massive Western Bulldogs tragedy. He was actually expecting them to lose that game, so for them to... uh, to surprise everyone, he was texting Huss over in WA and sledging him a bit about it. It was uh, it was a really good game, and I, I think the other uh, Bulldogs quite impressive. Really, um, really just strong footy at the right time of the year. And then last night, Hawks and Geelong. It was a huge match. I think Simon, you said you switched over after the NRL. Such a great contest, and there was only probably one goal difference b- between most of the match. In the end, it came down to two points, 85-83. The Cats won over the Hawks. So now we see Geelong go through. Are you surprised to see that, Emma, happen? I was. I didn't covering the league, so I was doing the match package on the league. So obviously didn't see the entire game, and I was driving home, and then I heard the last part on the radio, and then I thought, okay, well, now I've got to go back and watch the highlights because I wasn't expecting it to be so close. I think everyone expected Hawthorne to win and because they tend to win those close games and Isaac Smith you know under pressure in finals previously has kicked kicked goals under pressure so I was quite shocked but I just think that's the awesome thing about finals and the result the night before as well just for the fans it's it doesn't matter that you know whether you're on top or whether you've been the best team all season or whether usually you can kick goals under pressure it's as cliched as it may sound, finals is a different game and it is. And I think it's good for the sport to have an upset like that or to have a really close finish. So, again, not as a, a fan of either of those teams, but, you know, I just think it was awesome to watch. I 
probably wouldn't have rushed back to watch the highlights. But because on the radio I heard what an <laughs> awesome finish it was, then yeah. I just was rushing back after the league to check it out. So literally down to the wire. So yeah. the Cats did very well when you look at the stats. The Hawks took 113 marks to the Cats 65, made 291 to the Cats 252 disposals. The Hawks really had way more possession and the Cats superb to get up over them. Let's talk about the match everyone is dying to see today in Sydney between the GWS Giants and the Sydney Swans. Now I'm going to the match. Simon, Mm -hmm. I know you're a GWS supporter. We're going to be head against head today. What do you think of leading up to today? Uh, I think it's going to be the little brother sticking it to the big brother. I've <laughs> been, to, been to both the derbies this year. Obviously, the uh, the Swannies getting up in the first one and then out at Spotless Stadium. I, I think my favourite moment of the season was big Stevie J putting Buddy on his backside. And I think that <laughs> moment sort of it, it could be what we're looking back on this afternoon, seeing just, you know, the, the team that they they get a lot of negative uh negative feedback from people outside of the club you know they're they're just thrown together you know Eddie Maguire's having a crack at them you know once every couple of weeks every time they have a win that they're taking advantage of the uh the out of town allowance but I, I just think they're doing some great things off the field they're doing some great things on the field and I really hope that for for the people that have stuck through some pretty ordinary years that uh, this afternoon could be a pretty special moment for the uh, the orange and charcoal. Well, it's the first time this season that they've named back-to-back sides, so they must be feeling pretty confident. And I know Stevie J was in the paper named as someone that's been leading the side with all those young players throughout the year. Have you thought he's been impressive this year? He's been an absolute ripper. He's created some pretty special moments this year. The, the thing that they've done really well is – uh, they they posted a photo last night out on their social media of the the original team at ANZ Stadium playing their first match, which was against the Swans. There's still nine blokes from that team that will run out this afternoon. Israel Folau was there, who was not one of them, but he's the <laughs> he's the reason I started following the club because I wanted to see how he went. Um, you know, they talk about him being a million dollar waste of money. There's a few people like me who have watched the game. I'd never watched AFL in my life before Israel came along. How's that for marketing from them? Exactly. <laughs> it was, you know, a million dollars well spent, I say. But um, the, those nine young blokes who were pulled from all parts of the country, put into an environment where they were encouraged to develop. Over the time, they've brought in people like uh, Big Mummy, Stevie J, the one that you mentioned, and a couple of other senior heads, great players. These blokes have just developed out of their skin and, you know, we're, we're seeing the results now. I'm talking really handsy at the moment. No one can see that I'm gesticulating. Oh, it's I'm energy passionate. and passion for, for today, you. aren't you? There's a big, big sound in the west of the town and it's the sound of the mighty giants. Oh, I think it's a great reward for, for those who have stuck around and a lot of them actually I live where a lot of them do at Breakfast Point and just to see that seem like such a close-knit side because they're all living away from home and, and um, I know when Craig and Mel Lambert, Lambert were working with the club and how much they did for them and they were just like, like a family and I know they used to when their um, family would come from interstate, Mel Lambert would go to the airport and pick them up and it was just it was just like they were so close and it's a great reward I think to see after, you know, some you know years where they weren't doing so well. So I, um, I'm... Going for the Giants today. Yes, you beauty. 
So there's one change for the Swans. Callum Mills, the rising star of 2016, back in the side. I'm really excited about that. And both teams actually playing in the Neeful Grand Final tomorrow as well. So Sydney rivalry is at a high this weekend, I think. One more game this today in the AFL between Adelaide Crows and North Melbourne. Now, Sarah, I know you don't follow the AFL very closely, but as a sports fan, do you think the scheduling of the finals has worked for the AFL? Uh, as you said, they're not playing a game on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I find that a bit odd. Mm. Um, I think Sunday Arvo footy is um, one of the best parts of my weekend. Um, so, I, yeah, I think a, a Sunday game uh, is a bit unusual and instead having a Thursday game. But, yeah, it's a bit would, of an interesting Would schedule. that have been more uh, ratings related, would you say? Because... Definitely crowd-wise, I would say a Sunday game. I know at least with league, I know the Sunday games are always, especially um, for league, the suburban grounds. But Mm. just a Sunday game in general, more people can go. But then I'm not exactly sure ratings-wise what the difference would have been. So They've probably taken, you know, they had the Thursday night game when leagues, they don't have the Thursday night final. So a free kick there as far as ratings is concerned, pardon the pun. But then, you know, the the league... (laughs) Uh, is going to get the reward there because they're going to, you know, be unrivaled Sunday Arvo. There'll be a lot of eyes on that game. Positive for the NRL out of it at least. That's the AFL finals done and we'll be back with all eyes on Sarah next. We're very lucky to be joined by Sarah Peaty in the studio this morning, someone who has represented at state and Australian level in touch footy. Sarah, last week, New South Wales took a win over Queensland in the Origin Tournament. It involves 14 divisions. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So the State of Origins uh, played every two years. This year we had 14 divisions. So um, you get from your under 20s um, men and women up to your over 55s men. So it's a game for um, people of all ages. And it's a three game series for each division. The state that wins the most at the end of that is the State of Origin champions. And we were lucky enough to win that. So it came down to the last game, is that right? Yeah, so um, by the last time slot there was the men's opens and I think the men's 40s still to play and um, before that game it was 6-all and New South Wales won both of those last games. So we're very excited to be victorious in our – it was played at Tempe, so very happy to be victorious in our own state. Now in your division you lost the first two. Yep. I'm interested to hear about this drop-off rule. Can you explain it to us? Yeah, so the drop-off is Touch's version of extra time, I guess. So uh, usually you'd play with six players on the field and if it's tied at the end of the game, you'll drop a player off and you have two minutes with five people aside uh, and each two minutes you drop a player off until you get down to three and then you play three on three until somebody scores. So it's not the funnest position to be in, but, yeah, it's certainly exciting way to sort of decide a game. And from what I understand, you play in the middle of the field. Could you sort of explain your role to us? Yeah, so um, obviously with six players, you have two middles, two links, which is um, the second person from the outside and then two wings. As a middle, we're sort of the uh, engine of the of the team, I guess. We're the ones that um, get run at and uh, we're the ones that have to do the the brunt big, of the, the hard rucking work. Up, up the field. <laughs> I'm the workhorse of the side guys. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, yeah. We do all the hard yards. You had it here first. <laughs> yeah, make everyone look good. No. Um, yeah, so we, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of running. It's 
pretty strong. You're obviously getting rucked at for a whole game. Um, yeah, with six players on a field, you sort of try to split those middles. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a lot of work, but, yeah, I enjoy it. And your sister plays with you too, Laura, and yeah. I understand there's another set of sisters in the team. How does that happen? Yeah, it's funny. There's quite a history of um, sisters in New in the New South Wales team, uh, even the Australian team. So, yeah, I play with my little sister, Laura, um, which is a lot of fun. And then we also had another pair of sisters, the Davis sisters, Danielle and Shelley, and they're actually in our Manly team as well. So that was a bit of fun. We There's... A history, as I said, the Winchester sisters and the Judds, the Hopkins girls from uh, Queensland, they played actually in this origin. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a family game. You get fathers and sons playing together and mothers and daughters and all that. So, yeah, it's a great family uh, sport. What's the uh, rivalry like? We've seen, you know, rugby league state of origin, a pretty fiery affair every year. What's the other uh, touch version like? Uh, it's it's called touch, but it's actually pretty physical. I know. <laughs> copped a couple of tackles I'd almost say before but no it's very strong it's it's a very very fast-paced game and to sort of help yourself out I guess it's you've got to be pretty physical so yeah there's a lot of strong touches in there if you're not prepared and not ready to dump that ball you're going to get absolutely hammered so no that's part of what I like about it. And what about the uh, rivalry then with your sister are you prepared to say (laughs) Who's better out of uh, you and your sister? <laughs> uh, probably my sister, to be honest. Um, no, she, Laura plays in the links, so I'm lucky I don't have to compete with her for a position. No, she, it's, yeah, it's, I think we're a different style player too, so it's not too, not too bad. But That always helps. I know I used to play netball yeah. with my sister and people used to ask me that and I would say, well, she's a defender and I'm a centre quarter, so you can't really compare, yeah. even though I knew that she was better, so I just gave me an excuse not to say that she was better. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Do you feel like you can boss her around a little bit, especially being the older sister? Uh, that's sort of how I play, I guess. I like to <laughs> be in control of what's on the field and Laura's very – plays off the cuff a lot. So she – yeah, I don't think she minds that. So she, I'm bossy in certain parts of our life and Laura likes to be pretty bossy in other parts of our <laughs> life. So, no, nah, it's good. Can I ask one question? Yeah. Did you ever consider – I actually thought this when – I was watching the women's sevens girls play at the Olympics and how incredibly athletic they were and Charlotte Kaslick in particular. And then I thought to myself, she must, and I didn't know a lot about the sevens girls because I hadn't really followed it. I thought she must be a touch player. And then when I found out did, that she was, did you yeah. consider at all going to play sevens? I got, oh, back in 2011, I got invited to one of their camps. Um, I think it was in Canberra. I'm a wuss, so I was a bit <laughs> and had a bit of touch going on. We had a World Cup that year, so had a bit of other stuff going on. Looking at their success, I'm sort of kicking myself thinking, well, I should have given it a crack. But no, I think there'll be a lot of people now with their success in the last 12 months um, with the World Series win and the Olympic win. A lot of people are probably going to be putting their hand up to have a go at sevens. So yeah, maybe something to consider in the future, but Yeah, it's certainly um, an exciting sort of parallel or progression from touch football, I think. Because going forward, if if you're happy to get tackled at one point, there seems to be, you know, as far as football goes, you've got your women's AFL uh, rugby leagues doing a lot of uh, stuff around the women's game and your skills you would assume would transfer. You talk about that athletic ability, physical ability. Is Is it something that you'd consider, you know, uh, trying out as well as touch just to see where how far you could get? Yeah, well, I think it's the the evasion stuff, the 
playing into space and things like that, uh, the ball skills are super similar. I think you've got a lot of touch people, particularly in the women's league teams and in the rugby sevens teams, there's a lot of touch. Girls who started out in touch football there, I think it's a natural progression um, into those sports. Yeah, I think if I can get into some tackling technique training, I'd love to give it a crack. It's um, we. Most of our girls grow up being massive league fans in particular and I think it's something that you always, as a kid, always want to be out and play a bit of footy. So the fact that there's those opportunities now I think is really exciting for girls playing touch football and just for girls playing sport in general. So you bring up girls playing touch football. You made your debut with the Scorpions back in the 14s and there's now a medal named after you with the Sydney Scorpions region. How does that make you feel? Oh, it's an absolute honour. It's when you put, when you play for a club and um, put so much of your time, obviously touch is an amateur sport, we pay to play all of our tournaments. It's, yeah, it's really nice to have something like that named after you. The Scorpions Club is an extremely successful club. It's a big family. There's a lot of passionate people involved and yeah, for for them to sort of consider me for something like that is amazing and it's really exciting and yeah, I love to go and watch all the the young kids coming up and so to have something like that is um yeah, really really special. What's next on the cards for you? Uh, next, at the moment, we're playing um, in a Sydney Champs comp called Vorden Cup. We have our State Cup in December, so that's for our Manly teams. I guess the next big tournament would be um, a Trans-Tasman Series next year. I had a, was out with a knee injury last year and missed our World Cup. That was up in Coffs Harbour. So personally, to get myself back in that team and playing again at the highest level is the most exciting thing, I think, coming up. Can I ask about the State Cup quickly? Yeah. Is that one of the most exciting events on the calendar? Because I have a few friends, m- m- girls and boys, that play touch and whenever that weekend rolls around, I don't really seem to hear about the touch. All I seem to hear about <laughs> is the big nights out and the dress up and I think I just got to get into touch to be able to have yeah. a night out in this State Cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's because it's, you're playing with your club team and you obviously spend the most amount of time with your club team. The Trans-Tasman Series are once a year and State of Origins are every two years. So you're playing consistently with those groups of people and the touch pe- the touch sort of community becomes a bit like your family. So to be able to go there and catch up with all your mates and play a bit of footy and, yeah, definitely the, the last night of State Cup is a lot of fun. So um, it's a very social sport. There's different divisions and, yeah, I definitely encourage you to get – Get I'm, involved. I'm going to become a team manager, I think, and yeah. just come along so I can get amongst Drive the bus or... <laughs> so how would players get involved should they want to try their hand at touch? Uh, there's local comps everywhere. I think if you go onto the Touch Football Australia website, there is uh, links to diff- your different regions and to touch clubs around the place. So, yeah, there's it's as I said, it's a very social sport. It's um, a family sport. You can play with your siblings, your parents, your kids, everything so yeah I definitely encourage anyone and everyone to to get involved. Follow New South Wales Touch and any of the other Touch Australia Facebook and Twitter pages if you're not at the moment because they're all very prolific they all love sharing each other's stuff and they're very supportive. We'll be back in a moment. Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility with high quality sound equipment and production services 
Radio Hub is a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. So, if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting, contact Radio Hub on 0402 870 900 or email info at radiohub.com.au. It's time to wrap up the show. Sarah, thanks so much for coming in today. We've loved hearing about Touch and your adventures. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Simon, I know you're off to the game. Oh, yeah, I was uh, going to sing the entire Giants song, but I know we're running out of time, so I'll, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll save that for, for this that, afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma, thanks so much for coming in today. It's been lovely to have you again. No, thank you very much. And I have to say, because they beat the Tigers, go the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for the Raiders too. I'm off to the Swans game very shortly and calm the Swans, Simon. Sorry about that. I hope Buddy kicks another seven goals. I'll be back next week. Until then, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Enjoy the finals in whatever your favourite code is. You've been listening to Ladies Who League. Australia Stay late.